Playlist Studios. La manifestación era completamente pacífica y sin embargo empezaron a disparar. Están tirando gases lacrimógenos, están disparando. You don't need to be fluent in Spanish to understand what's happening here, because it's similar to what Americans have been hearing this year too. Protests calling for change. Podcasters Martín Cruz and Catalina May wanted to document what was happening in the streets of their city, Santiago, Chile, but also what was happening in homes across their country. After the, the first uh, protests, demonstrations, riots, whatever, we started to see people going outside to meet their neighbors, you know, to start creating communities and started to think about the new country we wanted to build and a lot of solidarity. It created like a, a new sense of community that was amazing. It was like the most beautiful and epic thing that I've lived ever. Like you couldn't believe how strong you felt that you were part of a community. Like, I never, never felt that before. These personal stories of freedom and liberation are at the heart of their podcast, Las Raras. From LAS Studios, this is Servant of Pod. I'm Nick Kwa. This week, how two Chilean producers are paving the way for narrative nonfiction podcasts in South America. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. Alias has a new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We Are Where We Eat will go behind the scenes of some of your favorite L.A. restaurants to find out how and why they do what they do. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for the first event where we'll explore how restaurants help make a neighborhood and we'll all have something delicious to eat afterwards. It's May 22nd at the Crawford. Get your tickets now at LAS.com events. de libertad, sus protagonistas y paisajes sonoros. Esto es Las Raras Podcast. For English-speaking podcast listeners, Las Raras may seem, structurally, a little familiar. It's a narrative non-fiction show with dynamic sound design. We've been getting stuff like this in the English-speaking audio world for years. Radiolab, This American Life, the BBC's Shortcuts. But for Spanish-speaking podcast listeners... Las Raras is unique, especially when they started back in 2015. I was very new to this. I mean, I first 
heard the word podcast from Kata that year, you know. She was listening to Serial at that time and she was fascinated, mm. obviously. She wanted to have a, an own project and, and she wanted to create something. And since she was a journalist and I was an audio engineer, like a podcast was like the perfect combination of our so it's a it's a way to work with each other <laughs> yeah let's let, let's create something together and uh, a podcast is perfect a project of our own in our own way and doing what whatever we wanted tell the stories we wanted in the way mm. we wanted so a podcast in a way was perfect for that Las Raras can be translated as the outsiders, which perfectly encapsulates the stories Catalina and Martin like to tell. But it also describes how they see themselves. I think that the protagonists that we seek are usually outsiders in a way. People that somehow are resisting the norms or mm. challenging the status quo and fighting for social justice. Also... Their stories are not usually represented in mainstream media. So mm. in that way, also, they are outsiders. I mean, we look for stories that are, a lot of the times, very intimate stories, very personal stories. And usually these stories are like in the margins of society, maybe, and also the media. So that's why we think the outsiders, it, it's a good translation to, to our name. Yeah, they are stories of resistance in general. And mm. we call them, our slogan is stories of freedom. But that sometimes is confusing for people in the U.S. We understand that you think of freedom in a quite different way as we do. But mm. you can understand them as stories of resistance. So how would you define uh, freedom? I don't know. It's it's difficult because it, it's a very subtle nuance, I, I would say. How people look for a, another way of doing things. You mm. know, sometimes with very small decisions, but sometimes very radical decisions. So mm. there's a, that kind of freedom, like to step away from norms or like what is expected. Mm. Yeah, to fight social impositions in a way and find your own ways uh, to live with dignity. Um, mm. That's always challenging as well. Freedom for us is like freedom of living the way you think is right. Mm. That is not necessarily the way that society says it's right. Fighting the establishment is at the heart of Las Raras, but it's also something Catalina and Martin are experiencing in their own lives, especially this year. They joined Chileans all around the country as they took to the streets to demand change to their national constitution, which was established by the dictator Augusto Pinochet 30 years ago. They decided to document it as much as they could, even through the pandemic. It's been an amazing experience, but very tough experience, because when this all started in October 2019, and we saw everybody going out to protest to demonstrations to ask for social change for ask for a new constitution for to ask for a new way of conceiving our country our society that was amazing that you know to to experience this collective feeling but at the same time it, it was very hard because the 
police brutality, the repression was mm. brutal, you know. A lot of people lost their eyes, literally, with by the police shots. Mm. A lot of people died. We had a curfew, so that brings like the ghost of the dictatorship as well. Mm. So we had these two mixed feelings, you know, like excitement, but fear or, or something like that was so uh, hard. And also it gave us so much sense of how important our work as podcast producers is. In general, our stories, as we were saying before, are intimate stories of resistance. But when this social uprising started, we said, okay, so this is the story of freedom, la historia de libertad of our country. So we have to record this, we have to report this, and we have been doing it, and it has been so important for us. We feel the urgency of being on the streets, of talking to people, of participating into this process. It has mm. been great. Catalina and Martin produced a special three-part miniseries around the social uprising called Treinta Años, or 30 Years. In the series, they included stories from protests, but also community building, all leading up to the day everything would be decided, voting day. Estamos en Plaza Dignidad, ha sido un día muy emocionante, no sabemos los cómputos finales todavía, pero ya se habla de una paliza, arrasó el apruebo, arrasó la convención constitucional. Nosotros estamos muy felices, así que hoy día es un día para celebrar. We wanted to record the whole process of voting. So I'm not usually in the episodes, you know, you usually hear only Catalina's voice, but we wanted to show, to make it fun. So we both went to vote with a lavalier microphone, like recording everything and sending messages between each other. And what you can hear there is the two of us voting, like at the same time saying the same words, you know, uh, apruebo, like I approve to change the constitution. And then what you can hear are the, the counting of the votes in a school and then people celebrating in the center of the city. And we went there to show and record this collective feeling of joy, you know, was amazing, was amazing. We didn't know that so many people were going to vote that day because people have not, not been voting uh, in the elections lately. And we are in the middle of the pandemic as well, so that was difficult. There was uncertainty about that day. We were not sure that we were going to win. I mean, we know that we were going to win, but we didn't know that it was going to be like such a huge, huge difference. I mean, 80%. That's related with mainstream media as well. Mainstream media here belongs to, to the elites. Mm -hmm. And they were telling us, this country is very divided. Uh, we are almost like in a social 
a war, but we saw that it, that wasn't real. Like 80% of people wanted to change the constitution. So when we knew about that, it was so exciting and we were there to record it. Coming up, how Las Raras arrived in America. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com slash sweeps. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. In 2019, Las Raras was chosen to be in the first class of the Google Podcast Creators Program. And this year, Las Raras won an award from the Third Coast International Audio Festival for an episode made with producer Dennis Maxwell. We wanted to tell a story about the humanitarian crisis in the border. We didn't know what particular story, but something related to that issue. And we started to talk with Dennis and so together we started looking for a protagonist or an institution doing something to help the migrants crossing the borders, you know. Mm. So Dennis found this artist that is a Colombian artist that lives in Tucson, Arizona. And this guy puts crosses in the exact places where bodies of dead migrants have been found in the desert. Mm. He went over there and went to the desert with him to put a cross And in the process in which we were reporting this story, we came across a piece of the New York Times in which they used these voices of the migrants that when they call the the 911, you know, asking for help when they are lost in the desert. So we started to do the same process to ask for these phone calls to the Pima County, to the sheriff's department. And after like a month, we got more than 200 phone calls. Hmm. So we started to go over through them. And and I mean, this is an amazing material. It's like made for podcasts in this way. It's uh, only audio, you know, and it's the real testimonies of these people that are lost in the desert. So this was for us like the perfect material to work with to show the stories, the struggle behind these journeys, like from first hand, you know. So it's mm. it's a very hard material, but it's amazing at the same time. Nine one one, where is your emergency? Are you lost in the desierto? Okay, uno momento for interpreter. Nine one one, ¿cuál es la emergencia? 
Sí, estoy solo. Somos cuatro. Con mi esposa. Somos tres. Somos cinco personas. ¿Y de qué país es usted? De Guatemala. México. El Salvador. Nicaragua. Yo voy estado para buscar buena vida, pero soy muy pobre. Yo solo por necesidad vengo. ¿Cuántos días tiene en el desierto ya? Ahorita ya va por cuatro días, pero el coyote nos abandonó aquí en el desierto. Me dejaron perdida. Encontré a un señor de migración y le conté mi historia y, y no hizo nada, que no me arrestó ni nada, solamente me dejó ahí solo. ¿Y no tiene nada de agua? Ay, ya no tengo nada de agua. Pues traigo una poquita de lo que... De la que llovió. Necesito agua, agua helada, porfa. Tengo cinco días de no comer. No he comido hace tres días. Me doblé el pie. Mi mano se quebró. ¡Ay! Ya me estoy muriendo. Bueno, bueno, me estoy muriendo, me estoy muriendo. Ya me perdí, no sé qué hacer. Estoy vomitando sangre. El compañero ya está muerto. It was kind of telling the story of migrants, but from outside, you know, mm. like looking at these stories from outside. So for us, it was really important to get those voices to tell the story from inside as well. You know, mm. we are not just observers. We want to show you the story like in the most real way of it, which is very hard, but to we need to show this because it's so important. As Latinos, we are horrified about this. And we went a lot to the US last year because of the Google Podcast Creator Program. Mm. So we, we were we were very close to these stories last mm. year. So we really wanted to show this material. I think it helps to bring these stories closer to people's hearts because lots of people, they don't like migrants who are illegally entering the country, right? Mm. But I think that when you listen to their voices and their struggles, you can understand them better. Showcasing the voices of people forgotten or ignored by the mainstream is a big part of what Las Raras works to do. What was new for this and several other stories in the latest season of the podcast was working with other producers. I want to explain that in the Spanish-speaking world, there are not many audio producers hmm. because it's a new medium. So there is no a long tradition of audio production in Spanish. Uh, I mean, the style that we work, like documentary hmm. style. In Chile, for example, that... That I can say at least, we don't have public radio. So mm. we don't have that kind of tradition and, and that mindset of the US has. So mm. radio stations, for example, here are owned by a handful of, <laughs> of uh, corporations. Corporations, yeah. And, and obviously, it's mostly like the powerful people that owns the media so things uh, tend to to get stuck in a way and al always try to reproduce the things that get you money so hmm. obviously podcasting isn't in that perspective at first at least now they are realizing that there is something here that it's worth to explore but but they tend to resist against that change hmm. 
We have a, a, a strong tradition of storytellers here in Latin America, but it's most, mostly written. So how has the Spanish-speaking podcast world changed or um, evolved since you launched Los Aras back in 2015? I would say a lot. Mm, there was almost nothing when we started. I'm going to say this because I think it's real. We crossed paths very early in our story with Martina Castro from Adonde Media. Mm -hmm. And she has been so important in the developing of the Spanish-speaking podcast industry and community. She created Podcasteros, uh, which is this community of podcast producers in Spanish. She started Encuesta Pod which was the first survey to understand the Spanish-speaking podcast listeners. And so we started to understand that we were not like islands. There were other people doing this too. Hmm. And at the same time, the industry started to grow. Like mainstream media started to understand that, oh, they can try to have their own podcasts. So we are having like more podcasts now, not only independent podcasts, but podcasts with more budget, for example. Hmm. Sadly, I think that doesn't translate into a really high quality... Experience? Yeah, I mean, especially thinking in mainstream media. I mean, they are putting money into creating podcasts, but I think that those podcasts are not good enough. I think there's no a real understanding of the potentialities of this medium, but it's starting to grow and things are starting to appear. So it's growing. It's growing. So do you think podcasting is too America-centric or, or too centered around English speakers? I think we as Latin Americans look to the U.S. a lot in terms of culture. So... The U.S. having like a more developed industry makes us look that way a lot. And, you know, we get all the movies from the U.S. We get a lot of information and the trends come always from the U.S. But obviously that comes with the fact that we don't have an industry yet. So, mm. yeah, if we want to listen to a sound rich audio fiction we have to go to look for uh, an english podcast mm. you know we don't have that in spanish yet so developed so i guess in the process of us creating an industry and having more shows we could start looking away from that as a reference and starting to create our own ecosystem and our own reference Tell me about your latest season of, of the show. Considering that we are in the middle of a pandemic, we really wanted to show what has been happening this year, but we didn't want to talk about the pandemic especially, but we wanted to tell stories about the issues that have been important during these months. So our stories are not about the COVID crisis, but they are happening in that context. Hmm. And also, we were trying to tell stories, as we said before, from different countries. So we have a story from Argentina, from Mexico, Colombia, Spain, the US, and Chile. 
is a kind of small <laughs> season of only six stories, but we think of it as a boutique season because the stories have lots of work behind and they are very beautiful. We have really put lots of work and effort in these six stories. And we wanted to keep developing our our narrative, you know? We, mm. we are really trying to make more complex narratives. We, we are really trying to use sound as our main narrative and aesthetic element. And we're trying to, to make shorter stories as well. Mm. We want our listeners to take time to really listen to our stories, like hopefully with headphones, hopefully sitting with their eyes closed. I know this is like maybe not realistic, but we are producing the stories for that. So mm. we're not going to ask them for an hour of their lives. We're only going to ask them for 20 minutes of their lives to listen to a very strong story. So that's mm. what, what we're trying to do this, this season. We are always trying to, to reinvent ourselves as well, like mm. to challenge our own narratives, our own structures, and to try new things. So we are playing with, uh, with the structure of the story, we are playing with the use of archives, with the use of music. We created a lot of new music for this season, and a lot of that music was very different mm. from what we were doing before. So we're always trying to, to push our own boundaries a little bit in, in all of terms, you know. So I think you can tell something of, of that when you listen to our new season, I hope. <laughs> Thank you both so much for this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for this invitation. We're really very honored. We hope we did okay. <laughs> Serenapod is written and hosted by me, Nick Kwa. You can check out more episodes at alias.com slash servantofpod. The show is produced by Andrea Oswahe, Jessica Alpert, and John Parati at Rococo Punch. Web design by Andy Cheatwood and the digital and marketing teams at Southern California Public Radio. Logo and branding by Leo G. Thanks to the team at Alias Studios, including Christian Hayford, Taylor Kaufman, Kristen Muller, and Leo G. Servantopod is a production of Elliot Studios. Colorado River is running dry. Water may not reach millions of people. So if there's no water, there's no water for everybody. It's up to California's lead negotiator, a 28-year-old. This is a historic thing coming. And six other negotiators to find a solution. I want an agreement that lessens the pain for all of us, not just some of us. Listen to Imperfect Paradise, the Gen Z water dealmaker, wherever you get podcasts.